Sales Tuners, Episode 90, Ask JB. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who said, things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least. Today, we're going to change up the format and do something a bit different. For the last few weeks, I've asked you to send in your questions for me to answer live on the show. Thank you to those that did. I received many questions from all over the board, SDRs, AEs, VPs, and even a couple of CEOs. And I've selected 10 of those for the first pass just to see how this goes. I definitely love your feedback on this one. And as such, I've made it easier for you to send in your questions. If you'd like my thoughts on one of your pressing issues in the future, simply go to salesooners.com slash askjb. Before we dive in, I do want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. Costello has been a sponsor of this show for several months now. So I wanted to call founder and CEO Frank Dale and ask him why exactly he built Costello. You and I have talked to a lot of salespeople, and I've yet to meet one that doesn't want to be great. But if we look at the tools that they have available to them, they're not built to make their job easier. We have CRM, and it's great for contact management. We have awesome tools like our friends at SalesLoft that will help you with cadences and, and reaching out to prospective customers. But the second we start talking to someone, we're stuck with Post-it notes, Google Docs, and Evernote templates. And if you're trying to run a dynamic sales call, that just doesn't cut it. And so what that leads to is forgetting to ask that question you meant to ask, not remembering that customer story when you need to tell it, and then data that maybe we need to understand what's going on in the business, not making it back to CRM. Connect with Frank and his team or request a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com and see why their platform is truly changing the way reps run sales calls. All right. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salesooners.com slash 90. But now let's get to the first question from Ross Weimer, account executive at Driver Reach. I recently saw a debate on LinkedIn about whether it's best to research your prospects before cold calling, or if it's better to just pick up the phone and cold call. Uh, what is your opinion on this and why? Ross, this is a really good question. I know there's a debate out there, but the reality in my opinion is that action will always trump research. Now, realize I am not telling you you should not research your prospects. You should understand the industry or vertical you're calling into to really know a day in the life of that prospect. By doing that, you can apply the same learnings to many of the prospects that you call. I do recommend taking a quick look at their profile on LinkedIn, as well as having the company site up in front of you while you call. Just doing those couple of things will really allow you to have the knowledge you need and be comfortable on the call. Next, I had a group of questions that were all very similar to each other, so I'm gonna group those together. Uh, first, Natasha Adjivan, SDR at Student Connections, Shelby Weeks, Senior Account Executive at Vibonomics, and Amanda Harkness, Account Executive at Outreach, all had this to say. What does one do when a promising lead turns out cold? I've made several attempts to call them and I've sent out emails. Um, it's been going on for months now. I, I don't know what else to do. Can you help me? So I have a deal in my pipeline that it's kind of just hit a wall. 
and uh, my current contact isn't really helping me and is kind of ghosting me at this point. I'm just wondering if there's a strategy that you would recommend to, to kind of go over that person's head or to get around them to the person that actually might be helpful or more interested in the solution I'm trying to provide. When a prospect was very engaged in conversations with you during the sales process, then all of a sudden goes cold, won't answer your emails, texts, or calls, what would you recommend to do to re-engage them? Prospects going darker is one of the things that really frustrates all of us, regardless of how much success we've had in sales, it does happen. For me, though, the problem lies in discovery. It's not an issue of where you are in the process. It goes all the way back to discovery. Did you actually understand and uncover what pain you were solving for? Now, remember... This has absolutely nothing to do with you, your product, your service, anything along those lines. It is specific to the problem or challenge that the prospect was talking to you about. Now, if you didn't get that, that is the actual issue, and that's why they've gone dark. They don't see enough value in you to help them solve that problem. Now, in the case of Amanda, where you said they've been engaged in the entire process and then they go cold, one of the things that I like to do is send an email with a subject line, did I lose you? I will then, in the body of the email, list out some of the things that I heard them say, specifically in their words. This is not a pitch. This is not talking about my product, my service. It is just honing in on the prospect's problems and what their world would look like if those issues were resolved. Next up, I have a question from Clayton Stobbs, VP of Customer Success at PFL, about GDPR. I knew I was going to get one of these. There's a lot going on right now related to GDPR. Like a lot of companies are getting everything ready, making sure they're compliant. And I was just curious about your thoughts uh, related to how that might lengthen the sales process or how that might change the sales process for those customers with international data implications. Clayton, this really was a good question. I'm going to start with the TLDR version. GDPR, in my opinion, is going to force sales teams to actually build relationships What do you know? Kind of going back to the old days. Uh, Look, I believe this is a really good thing. I do think it's going to impact the notion of spam and, and mass messaging, mass emailing that goes on. But again, that's a good thing. We need to get away from that anyway. It's going to force us back into more personalized one to one outreach because that's still okay. Also, cold calling, the way I understand it, does not fall under the same regulations. Now, storing people in your CRM, that's a different story. But let's talk about all of this. The reality is this is only applies today to EU citizens. Now, doesn't mean that they have to actually be living in the EU. They can be living anywhere. And as a result of that, I think there's going to be compliance by a lot of U.S. companies that's going to be costly enough that they put this into a similar place for all customers, regardless of citizenship. Now, the language, though, is still very, very vague. How people will actually use it, do it, uh, uh, comply with it, that's what's going to be up for grabs in the next probably few years. And I think we're actually going to see some litigation in the courts for years to come on this. The biggest piece of GDPR for me is the definition of what personal data is. If I go out and I actually look on your Twitter or your LinkedIn or things like that and I store that in a database, is that personal data because you publicly put it out there? Again, with this language being vague, there's going to be some challenges. But again, it goes all the way back to the beginning. I think this is going to force us to actually build relationships, which at the end of the day is a good thing for sales. Kate Elliott is a solutions consultant at Bolstra, and she had this to say. What's a couple things a new BDR should do first to get up to speed quickly and start dialing? The thing I see right now going on is that still BDRs and and SDRs, depending on what we want to call them, 
for the most part, they're still very early in their career. A lot of them are just out of college. Uh, they don't know what to do in the business world. They don't understand the software tools that we're having them use. They don't understand who their buyers are. They don't understand a lot of stuff. So the very first thing that we have to do to get a new BDR uh, up to speed is actually start to instill that business acumen for them. They've got to understand the daily life of their prospects. What do they do? Why do they do it? What challenge do they have as a result of doing it? And if we can get them to understand this and be able to tell the basic customer stories and how we've been able to solve it for other people with you know similar challenges and similar uh, issues, that's what's gonna get them comfortable enough to pick up the phone and actually start dialing. I also got a question from Eric Kochi, a senior account executive at Zinc that I really liked. What is one thing that you find that an exceptional salesperson does that the average salesperson might find surprising or even a little bit crazy? And then vice versa, what is something that average salespeople do that exceptional salespeople might find equally surprising on their end? Eric, I really did enjoy this question, but I, I'm, I'm uh, worried that my response is going to be too basic for you. Uh, honestly, the one thing that exceptional sales reps do that I see consistently happening over and over and over is that they prepare. And again, I know that sounds basic and simple and almost like a dumb moment, but having worked with hundreds, literally, of sales reps and talked with now hundreds of sales leaders at different companies, it amazes me to see the level of preparation that the best reps have. They go into every call knowing what to expect, they anticipate it, they have a plan for everything that's gonna come their way, whether it be objections, whether it be just questions in general, they know the path of which they want to take the call down, and they execute it. And vice versa, the thing that average reps do that uh, exceptional reps just don't understand is that they just wing it. Uh, they get on the call, they don't really know where it's gonna go, they don't know what questions they're gonna ask, and they just kinda hope and pray that it ends up uh, as a positive thing. One common thing that I hear being said to pretty much every rep is that you need to ask better questions. And while I completely agree with that, you can't just do that on your own. You have to prepare for it. So one of the things that I tell pretty much every rep that I come into, uh, into contact with is that you will not rise to the occasion on a sales call. You will fall back to the last level of preparedness that you participated in. So therefore, put together your plan. Know exactly where it's going to go. Write out the questions that you want to ask and make sure that that map and plan actually get executed. The next couple of questions are from two CEOs. The first, Matt Weirich, CEO at Relink. What is the number one issue that you see sales teams across various industries and companies experiencing? Matt, the number one thing that I'm seeing right now as an issue for sales teams is they don't have a defined process. Now, I'm not saying that they're not getting sales. And I see that they have stages in their pipeline in Salesforce or HubSpot or whatever CRM they're using, but that's not what I'm talking about. I want to know what all the individual steps are that have to happen from the first time we talk to a prospect to the time that they're signing the paper and actually becoming a customer and hopefully even having some, some success with us. What's that mean? What's all the defined entrance and exit criteria for each of those steps that they have to go through? What are the things that we have to get out of them in order for them to graduate to the next one? This is the stuff that when you do this, that gets everyone on the same page. And now I've got Wes Winham, CEO at Woven. So I'm hiring my first two sales reps. I've been doing all the sales up until now. I founded a startup six months ago and I want them to be successful. What are the things I need to do before they start? and maybe during the first 30 days, uh, maximize the chances that they'll succeed. This is a really good question, Wes, and it kind of builds upon the last one I, I answered for Matt, uh, but defining a process, even if it's the wrong one, 
is the best thing you can do to put your, your reps on the path to success. What again are each of those individual steps that a, a customer or prospect has to go through in order to buy from you? Once you've got all that outlined, then I want you to really lean into your ideal customer profile. You need to outline for your reps and in detail, the three to four pain points that that buyer has and why they're there. If you can then start to build out some of the relevant customer stories that you have, or even hone in on your previous experiences uh, as a CEO, that's what's going to lead them to have their best chance of success, especially in the early days. And the last question for this initial episode is from Jeanette Renshaw, Director of Sales at Sharpen. How does a company know what sales methodology is right for their organization? Jeanette, there are so many good methodologies out there, but the reality is none of them are perfect and none of them are 100% complete. You've got Challenger Sales, Spin, Miller-Hyman, the Value Selling Framework. All of these things are really good and I've taken a lot out of each of them and put together the things that I know works for me and really works in today's sales environment. The, the main important thing with any kind of framework or methodology that you're trying to install in your organization is really just to get everyone on the same page and speaking the same language. That's the critical part. If we're all over the board with that, we can't actually have good conversations with our internal team. The common language really also needs to focus in on understanding the buyer. What do we say about the buyer? How do we talk about them? How do we see their world? What is their worldview? Again, doesn't matter what the specific methodology is they're using there, just having one to get everybody on the same page and speaking that common language, that's really the keys to success. Well, that's it for the first Ask JB episode. Thank you to everyone that sent in a question. Uh, I would love to hear your feedback on this format. So please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. Also, if you'd like to have your question answered on the air, simply go to SalesTuners.com slash AskJB. And I've made the process very simple for you. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there. And they stay there.